I'm Aaron Hinkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. Hi, my name is Robert Cusworth. I'm a Maryland native, originally from the uh, Eastern Shore. I am currently in the U.S. Coast Guard right now and serving in Guam. And some of our new cutters, a.k.a. ships, are named after famous enlisted heroes. While looking up history of one of the namesakes out here of one of the cutters, it was Myrtle Hazard. And I couldn't find much information, but something I did find was that she was originally from Baltimore. And my question is, who was Myrtle Hazard and why is there a U.S. Coast Guard cutter named after her? So before we go any further, a quick history and geography lesson, if you'd be so kind. Where exactly is Guam and uh, what is its particular status in relation to the United States? Guam is in the Pacific Ocean fairly close to the Philippines. It's housed a U.S. Navy and U.S. Air Force base for a long time. And since it is a uh, territory of the United States, the Coast Guard has deemed it important to put some of its own forces out here as well. And we currently have four Coast Guard cutters out here as well. I probably don't need to ask, but um, is it beautiful there? I'm picturing palm trees and like waterfalls and sandy beaches. Yes, that is exactly what <laughs> exactly what it is. But kind of like a Maryland summertime, our most humid days in Maryland, that's essentially what it is every day in Guam. <laughs> but it is beautiful. It is breathtaking. You say the U.S. Coast Guard has four vessels in service uh, around Guam. Yes. You're on one of those vessels? Like what, 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 tell me what an average day is like for you. Uh, average day, if we're getting underway, we usually get underway to do drills, conduct training. You know, if there's ever a shipboard fire or anything like that, or we train and do rehearsals for if we have a search and rescue case. And then uh, we do training on launching uh, smaller boats from our boat to pick up stranded mariners, uh, anybody in distress. Also, a big mission of ours is to do uh, fisheries inspections. We can board vessels just to do safety inspections to make sure that they're compliant with the number of you know life jackets on board, that the vessel is safe to be in the water. We don't want anything, any issues compiling and adding on to a larger issue that could threaten the, the crew. What classifies a ship as a cutter? So a cutter is basically any ship that is above 65 feet. And the reason they were called that is it, it's kind of a, the etymology is kind of from uh, clipper ships. When the country was first founded, we needed revenue marine basically to enforce tariff and trade acts uh, for this new burgeoning country, which is why the Coast Guard traces its lineage back as the nation's oldest seagoing service, even older than the Navy. You have four cutters in service. One of these vessels out there in Guam is a cutter named the USCG Myrtle Hazard, which brings us back around to your original question, who exactly was Myrtle Hazard? Must be nice to uh, get to look out off the uh, coast of uh, far away and exotic Guam and see a name on a ship that's uh, from your own hometown. That's That's got to be a cool feeling. Yes, yes. And I highly, highly recommend you come and visit sometime. <laughs> I will look forward to doing that. In the meantime, this is a great question. Thank you for asking, Robert, and I'm going to see what I can figure out for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm very much looking forward to it. And some of my shipmates 
I've mentioned this too as well, and they are very excited. The crew on board the Myrtle Hazard specifically, I told the commanding officer, and she was very excited uh, to hear about what you find out and very excited to hear the episode. All right. So first off, you know I had to get in touch with the crew aboard the USCG Myrtle Hazard. My name is Lieutenant Hallie Merritt, and I'm the commanding officer of Coast Guard Cutter Myrtle Hazard Station here in Guam. We are going to talk with Lieutenant Merritt about what it's like to command this vessel in the waters around Guam. But first, we do have a question to answer. And this is the guy who's got the goods. So I'm uh, Dr. William Thiessen, and my title is Atlantic Area Historian for the U.S. Coast Guard. Dr. Thiessen is one of two official Coast Guard historians. They're each responsible for half the globe. So his territory stretches from the Rockies out across the Atlantic to Europe and Africa. That's a lot of uh, bandwidth to cover, especially when you have to go back almost 250 years. Let's get into the story of... Myrtle Hazard. What can you tell us about this woman's life and career and like how it is that she first ended up enlisted in the U.S. Coast Guard? So she was really uh, pioneering not just as the first woman to enlist in the Coast Guard and the first woman to don a Coast Guard uniform, but she was also the first to become uh, an electrician's mate. She was also the first to rise up to become a uh, first-class petty officer, female. The quote that she would later say in later life about her service, she said, I like to think I help prove that women can contribute more to national defense than just waiting for the war to end. I think that really is a great representation of her spirit and her drive to do something that was important, made a contribution to the war effort. So she was born in the late 1800s. She's uh, from Baltimore. She lived in a Baltimore neighborhood with her parents. She's in her 20s around the time when World War I is happening. What happened? How did she cross paths with the Coast Guard? She actually got training in uh, radio and telegraphy prior to joining the Coast Guard, so she already had skill sets associated with the work she was going to do as what they termed an electrician's mate. In all other respects, she was really a radio operator, and so she got the training on her own, and then when the need arose, she volunteered. And at the time, I believe she was a single mother, and so she was caring for her family as well as serving her country at the same time. It sounds like as a radio operator at that time, she might have been involved in some critical work involving um, German submarines off the U.S. coast. Like, what do we know about about that scenario and how she might have been? I think that one of the articles you sent me was that she wouldn't have been lazing about in the radio operator's room. This was real critical work she was doing. A lot of the critical time sensitive communications were not uh, being sent by mail or by even by um, telegraph. They were being sent by radio communications because it was the quickest way to get those messages to the uh, the Coast Guard commands. And that's what she was involved with. This is crucial information necessary about the war effort, and it has to do with U-boat patrols because those actually German U-boats were off the coast of the U.S. in World War One as well as World War Two. But there were also other Coast Guard units that were serving 
in the European theater, and they were doing shore patrol duty as well as port security, all crucial to the war efforts. And uh, communications could be coming in from virtually any of these units or divisions that were serving the war effort for the Coast Guard. I wonder, do you have any idea how she was received by her fellow Coasties back then? Like, I wonder how much of a culture shock this was to a previously all-male branch of the service. Now, that's a question I wish I could answer, because it would have been fascinating to see how this singular enlisted, uniformed, active-duty female was received by other enlisted personnel, who obviously would have been men. My gut feeling is that a lot of the uh, her shipmates and fellow radio operators probably were at least at first surprised. I suspect that it would have broken a lot of cultural norms uh, for the day. And whether she was accepted or not, I, I can only imagine. I know she served for a good couple of years, so I can only think that she did her job well and was accepted uh, at least to a certain extent by her office mates and shipmates. Yeah. What do we know about her personality? Uh, you sent me a, wh- one of the articles you sent me said that she was a serious looking brunette with short hair and large dark eyes. You mentioned she was a s- young single mother. There sounds like there's a theory she might have been a young war widow. Like, what do we know about her as, as a person? We know that she was um, persevering. I don't think that she felt that gender barriers were um, fair or applicable to her. And as a result, she went on to uh, serve. She did remarry and had her family. We don't really know too much about what happened to her after the war was over. She did pass away in the early 1950s, and she continued to have the attitude that women could do much more than they were allowed to in their gender roles in the early 20th century. Let's fast forward to, at some point in time, someone decided to name a U.S. Coast Guard cutter after Myrtle Hazard. How and why did that happen? So we have a a class of cutters. There's about 64 holes now, or there will be, and it's called the Fast Response Cutter Class. 154-foot um, cutters that can do offshore duty, and they're kind of the workhorse right now for our coastal forces. But the thing that was interesting about this class is that they are named for enlisted heroes in the Coast Guard, and it's really one of the first times in our history and perhaps military history that a class of vessels was named for enlisted personnel, and it's really about time. The enlisted members of the military are probably the least known and least recognized members of the service. So the fast response cutters all have distinguished enlisted personnel that they're named for. I noticed that the Navy is going to actually name a aircraft carrier after enlisted personnel. Uh, It's going to be one of their next new carriers, so I applaud them. But we, we've been doing it now for several years, and I'm very glad that we did because many of these enlisted personnel had been forgotten until they were recognized again as namesakes for this uh, fast response cutter class. Yeah, it's pretty cool that the, the fact that that cutter was named after her 
is the reason why you and I are talking right now. Because here's this enlisted Coastie who's stationed in Guam, who happened to see that the name of one of the cutters is Myrtle Hazard. He asked around, and next thing you know, he wants to know more about her. And here we are sharing this history, and everyone who's going to listen to this is going to know who she is, too. Well, the thing that's interesting, too, is that the Coast Guard has really, in its history, I would say, broken very many uh, barriers for women in the federal government as well as the nation as a whole. Today, I think it's only justified that uh, we see the first uh, female military agency head in Commandant Fagan, who was just advanced to Commandant this year, earlier this year. So this is, I think, uh, another recognition of what an important role that women have played in the history of the U.S. Coast Guard. Coast Guard historian William Thiessen. After the break, we head back to Guam to hear about life aboard the USCG cutter Myrtle Hazard. More in a moment. So, Lieutenant Merritt, what is it like to be the commanding officer of the Myrtle Hazard? What's in a day's work for you? You know, we stand um, watches. There's shifts, and we're always on the lookout um, for any sort of distress situation. Also looking for illegal, unregulated fishing. And, you know, like any office, there's a lot of admin um, that's involved and really just taking care of people. So, in short... Every day is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure, and sometimes that's the adventure I decide to have the ship pursue, or um, if there's some sort of need that we need to respond to. Let me ask you, when you are underway, um, mm-hmm. like how big is the crew? How many folks are you out there with? We have 24 people. I'm one of the officers. We have three others. We have two senior enlisted members, and the remaining members are members of the crew. So tell me about the ship. The USCG Cutter Myrtle Hazard. What does she look like? What's she designed to do? What's special about this vessel? So it's a fast response cutter, and that's what our job is to do, is to get somewhere, affect a mission as quickly as possible. We have the classic, iconic white paint with the orange stripe that's at an angle on us. However, we look like a yacht. Um, <laughs> that's what she looks like, is a, is a yacht. Lieutenant Merritt, tell me about like some of the rescues and maneuvers that you've uh, overseen at the helm of the Myrtle Hazard. Like, What are some of your Coast Guard career highlights aboard this vessel so far? So I'll tell you one um, story in particular. So I think it does a good job of um, highlighting what we get up to. So we received notification of a medevac that needed to be completed off of an island in the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands. And... There was a man on a mostly uninhabited island that needed to get to Saipan as quickly as possible. So it took us 17-ish hours to go as fast as possible in a poorish sea state to get to this island and then find him. And by find him, I mean, we're looking through binoculars for a smoke signal. And on the island, they didn't have like a dyed smoke signal. So we're looking for... Um, gray black smoke against kind of like gray sand. Um, But we're able to find that smoke, um, see 
the members from his family come down on the beach. We dropped our small boat in and were able to um, pick up that member. We brought him on board, said, you know, hey, good to see you. We're going to get you to some care pretty fast. Turned around, sprinted over to Saipan and transferred him over. So that's kind of like all in a, a day's work. Star cases for us, are they're always very unique, but um, we show up with our full toolkit ready to come up with some sort of solution. And um, if we're able to care for them, great. If not, um, we're a very, very fast um, and safe transport service. What do you know about the namesake of your ship, Myrtle Hazard? I, I know a decent amount. Um, however, I think with everyone, um, I am always just as curious. Like, I want to know if the information we're passing is if we can give a, an extra anecdote, which is why I'm just I'm excited to be on this episode, to listen to it when you post it. Um, but here's what I do know. When I tell the story, it's not so much the grander details, right, of, you know, she joined on this date and um, first enlisted woman, which is incredible. I just really imagine a person who saw that the country needed people for this grand cause that we had, one of our major world wars, and just showed up, just answered a call, right, which is not much different than what people do today. And the Coast Guard, kind of in our standard fashion, we've always kind of been willing to take anybody that's willing to find a role. And if you have some hands, we'll give you a job. Um, shows them. It's like, hey, I'll operate some radios. Like, Great, we'll take you. It must feel pretty cool to look in the mirror and, and realize, like, I'm a female commanding officer of a vessel <laughs> that was named after the first enlisted female in the U.S. Coast Guard. Is I you know I, I will say I don't dwell on that um, all that often, but every now and then you know I, I do take time because I'm looking out this incredible window, um, looking at the water here. Like it it does feel very special, and it also feels like a like a challenge, which I am never one to shy away from to you know honor and respect things that she did, the things that other women in the service did. If she was around today, I imagine Myrtle Hazard would be pretty psyched to see you in charge of her ship. I wonder, what would you say to her if she were still around and you could meet her? I probably wouldn't say a whole lot because I would want her to, I'd want her to do the talking, you know, to tell me what that was like. I definitely would start with like, thank you. And then probably my next thing would just be like, do you want to, do you want a tour? <laughs> like, let me, let me take you around the ship and um, share some photos and and share my vision for what I'd like our ship to be and ask for, you know, if she had any particular items that she wanted us to carry on. So our ship motto is first to serve. And we'd probably talk about that and how I hope that she was proud of what we were doing. And um, I think that would get us started, but I'd be more keen to hear from her. <laughs> Lieutenant Merritt. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I'm going to let you get back to work on the U.S. Coast Guard cutter <laughs> Myrtle Hazard, and uh, may you steer her on to greater glory. Oh, thank you so much. That is going to wrap it up for this episode of the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, an original production of WYPR in partnership with the Baltimore Banner. And listen, I've got some great photos up online to go with this episode, some old archival pictures of Myrtle Hazard and some photos that Lieutenant Merritt sent me of her and her crew aboard the USCG Myrtle Hazard. 
with, uh, by the way, a beautiful Guam sunset in the background. You can find those at wypr.org slash curiosity. And by the way, that's also where you can get in touch with a question of your own. You got a story you're looking to find the answer to? You can put me to work at wypr.org slash curiosity. And uh, hey, if you like the show, you can always do us a favor and drop a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you listen on. Just a line or two. Your words really do go a long way toward helping other curious folks discover the show. I appreciate you. For the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening. Be in touch. And we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture. Online at thepeelcenter.org.